but never more than this week. Because when Imelda hit, uh, it took us all by surprise. I don't think anybody was ready for how crazy that thing was going to get. And I am grateful that we prayed. I mean, we prayed and, and the rain stopped. And I am grateful for that. I don't know if you saw the forecast, but it was supposed to sit over us for six days. And that thing blew out. Thank you, Jesus. That's a, a blessing. But not before it put 43 inches of rain on certain parts of our city and Beaumont and Vider. And our team jumped into action immediately. And, uh, and we went out and started helping people. In fact, I was with a group of about uh, 40 pastors. We all started praying. And then I received a phone call on Wednesday from a pastor here in our city. And he said, look, I've got some people stranded um, in New Caney on the northeast side of the city. And they cannot get out. And, and the water is rising. The dad can't swim. They can hear their neighbors screaming they can't get to them the water's coming in the house and it's an overflow from the river so there's a very strong current they can't just get out and try to walk their way out of this thing it's it's really strong they've got kids they don't know what they're going to do and they were just told by fire and rescue that they don't have the actual equipment to get to them they're going to try to send a helicopter but there's too many trees it was a bad deal and i'm t- like if you don't think god moves like right after i got that phone call one of our guys adam russ called me and these are, these are the, the Hope City Heroes Boat Brigade. I just gave them a name. The Hope City Navy. If there's a Cajun Navy, we have our own Navy. <laughs> he called me. He's like, hey, well, I got the airboats loaded. We're ready to go. Tell us where to go. And I was like, dude, this is perfect timing. I need you to go to the northeast side of the city. He's like, we, we in there. We're going to go in there. We're going to go get them out. And I was like, well, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, like, they're saying that the normal boats can't get in there. And he's like, I ain't got a normal boat. We got airboats. We anointed airboats. And if you know how an airboat works, it's literally a flat bottom boat and there's nothing in the water. It, the boat almost kind of sits on the top of the water and, and it's, there's a huge fan on the back of it. The rudder is even on the end of the fan and that's how they turn the boat. And these boys are able to go from water to road to water. And I was like, well, you know, there's going to be roads. He's like, I don't care. I'll drive my boat down the road. I literally have footage on my Instagram of them driving their boats on the interstate. Like there's water and then they just on the road. And then they got to the back. They not only found that family, our guys rescued 80 families that afternoon. I think that's amazing. I love our church. I met people from every campus this week just serving and working and helping people. You cannot tell me the power of prayer and perseverance does not work. I've seen it work too many times. Give your church family a great big hand. Thank you for your generosity, the way that you give. So we are, we are replacing the bottom of those guys' boats. It's a polymer bottom. It only costs about eight or 900 bucks to replace the bottom of it. It's a small price to pay to rescue some lives. There would have been bodies in the water without our guys, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you for your generosity because I was able to say, crank the boats, put the oil in it, put the gas in it. We'll pay for all of that, whatever it takes. Let's get out there and get them. We're restoring lives right now. We've been all over the city. We even had crews in Beaumont. Um, we're back out today. There's people that aren't in church today because they're serving in the community. We're, we got people at the church and we got people be in the church. And I love our church for that. One more time. Let's give all our Hope City heroes a great big hand. I love, I love that we can say, I can segue right in our, I'm already preaching. Y'all don't even know it. We're talking this week. We're kind of closing out our 21 days of prayer, but we're not closing out prayer because how many of you know there's power in prayer? Prayer is our divine connection to a holy God. And it's, in, it's imperative that you stay connected. You ever had a misunderstanding with somebody? 
Like you thought they were saying one thing, they thought you were saying one thing, and then you realize y'all ain't saying the same thing. Like misunderstandings, misconnections, those kind of moments create challenges for us. I have, I have a lot of kids, and uh, when Jillian, our third daughter, when Jillian uh, was born, uh, it came around for her first birthday party. And how many of y'all know you celebrate one huge? Even though the kid will never remember it, you celebrate one big. We had a bouncy house. She couldn't even walk. She couldn't even get in the bouncy house. We had a bouncy house. We had like 50 neighbors come over. We had all kind of people. I mean, just, uh, we had two cakes. You had the cake that people eat, and then you had the smash cake. And y'all know what the smash cake If you don't have kids, let me tell you what the smash cake is. The smash cake is the cake that you put in front of your kid. It's like little bitty, and you hope they smash their face in it so you can get good pictures for the gram. But it's okay, because if they don't smash their face in it, boom, daddy will, and we still get good pictures for the gram. <laughs> it's my favorite part of being a dad. Like, oh, they're crying. Good pictures. And so we had... We had everything, and, and before the party, my wife looked at me, and she was like, hey, I want us to, I want us to kind of go all out. I want us to prepare food, and I was like, all right, cool. What kind of food do you want? You want figure foods, like the little meatballs, little beanie weenies? What, what she was like, no, no, no. I want you to grill. That's like, that's literally like saying, I want you to be the hero and show off your cooking skills. She was like, do you think you could grill? I was like, I think I can. So I got my grill all fired up. I got gas grill. I got everything ready. I got it all. I got secret sauce that I put on the burgers, sprinkle a little crack on there. You just keep coming back. I'm from Louisiana. Y'all don't even know what I put in burgers. And so we're getting ready and everything's good and everybody's out there. And, and wh while I'm cooking the burger, there's literally children. I don't even know. Like neighbors came over. They're like, free food. Let's go. So like people are all in my backyard. And, and, and while I'm cooking the burgers, I've got like 40 burgers on the grill. And all of a sudden... <laughs> Like, all the burners go down to nothing. Like, little blue flame. And I'm like, this, this is not good. So I'm praying, like, right now, Lord, I know you're still in the fire, so I need you to sling some of that fire over here. Sling some of that holy anointing fire over here on my grill. And he didn't. And so, like, it's getting real slow. And Jennifer comes out. She's like, what's going on? I was like, I don't know what's going on. She's like, well, you don't have to be so snappy. I was like, well, you don't have to be so... Ask me all the questions. I'm trying to do this thing right here for the people. Have you ever had a whisper fight with your with your spouse? Like you turned your back. Like the only way people know you're talking is because of this right here. I'm like, I'm just trying to figure this out. She's like, well, you better figure it out. I was like, you better stop pointing at me. She was like, I was like, I don't know what's going on. And one of my neighbors walks over. He says, hey, man, you sure you had enough gas? I was like, walk away, Todd. This is to get real very frustrating and I found out later I had plenty of propane everything else was working there was one little piece that is on the line between the tank and the burners between the source and the resource this little piece called a regulator and if the regulator has a challenge it doesn't matter how much source you have it will never become a resource because something's stopping it Prayer is the regulator. If you want God to show up in your life, you actually have to connect with God. This is why the enemy constantly attacks your prayer life. You ever been trying to pray and think of everything that you forgot yesterday? Like while you're trying to pray. This is why the enemy attacks our prayer life. You have the ability to ask God to do amazing things in your life. But God will not force you to exercise what you have access to. You got access to it. You got to use it, though. Some of us complain so much. Oh, we're good at complaining. And you might have a good reason to complain. Oh, you don't understand what I'm dealing with. I understand that I don't understand. 
But at some point, you have to decide, I'm either going to keep complaining about it or I'm going to give it to God in prayer and let God handle it. God can't do some things in your life because you keep holding on to it. Oh, I'm preaching better than you responded right now. Prayer works. I love formulas. I love systems. I love uh, practicality. And I love that the word is filled with the spirit, but it's also filled with systems and practical ways that we can input the word of God. And Romans chapter 12, verse 12, tell, it's, a, it's a system. It says, be joyful in hope. That means I can get joy because of the hope that I have, not the situation that's surrounding me. So my hope is tied to something other than what I'm in right now. Be joyful in hope. I love that. Y'all can get with that, right? Be patient in affliction. That's a little harder. Like, I don't want, like, if I want to be in affliction, I don't want to be patient in affliction. I'm like, get me out of this now. But we find, according to scripture, the people who had their hope in God were able to be patient in affliction. What does that mean? Just settle in and sit there? No. That means just trust God in the midst of it because he may not always get you out of it, but he will walk with you through it. He will be with you in every storm. We've watched that. Well, how do I do all that? I love how he gives us the how-to. We just be faithful in prayer. When I'm faithful in prayer, then I can have hope and I can have patience. You're not born with patience. It has to be cultivated. How is patience cultivated? Through prayer. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for our souls. How many of you need an anchor in your life? I need an anchor in my life. Some of us have our hope in everything but God. And when your marriage goes through a challenge, all of a sudden your faith is shaken. Why? Because your hope was in your marriage. Or you have your hope in your career, and all of a sudden your career is shaken, and now now your faith is shaken. Because you had your hope in your career, in your education, in your kids, in somebody else. Some of you put your hope and your faith and your trust in me. Last time I checked. I ain't Jesus. I looked at my license this morning. It didn't say Jesus or Jesus. I know for a fact I'm not Jesus. You can't put your faith in me. You can't put your faith in situations. You can't put your faith in circumstances and relationships. You have to put your faith in something that is secure and something you can never lose. Your faith has to be tied to Jesus Christ. He is the rock. He is my redeemer. Man, I'm preaching. I feel good. Turn to somebody and say, he on fire. I'm fired up. Some of y'all are like, he's on fire. There was no S in there. You added that. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. Hope anchors us in affliction. When I'm going through something hard, I can look around me and be depressed. But I can look inside me and find hope. Yesterday, I, I toured all over our city, and we had teams everywhere, and I, it, was an, it was an awesome thing to watch our Hope City crew from different campuses, from Katy campus and Cypress campus and Cornerstone campus, West Houston campus, just serving all over the city, but I loved it. I went to one neighborhood, and the whole neighborhood had been hit, smoked, all, all, every house, all their stuff, our team's in there, just moving stuff out of their houses, and I walked up to this man under, kind of under a, a little porticochet there, and he's sitting there with his wife, Mr. Clarence. And, and he was talking. I thought he was talking to himself. He's about 75 years old. I was like, okay, I'm going to go over and pray with him or whatever. I walked over. He was already praying. He's just rocking back and forth. He's like, oh, glory to God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I don't know if you ever raised around people who pray all the time. 
That reminded me of the church I grew up in. They just pray all the time. Like when they didn't know what to say, they just pray. Oh, the Lord is good. You ever, you ever met somebody like that? That's how they feel. Like where you go, oh, I'm so tired. They go, oh, thank you, God. There's power in that. So I got closer and I said, hey, how you doing? He said, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. All your stuff's on the curb, bro. Like you had three feet of water in your house. Like it's, it's crazy. He said, oh, oh, you don't know. He said, I've been a deacon for 40 years. He said, you know what I was before I was a deacon? I said, what? He said, I was a caterpillar. That's right. I just crawled into anything I could get into, crawled all over the place until God crawled me into a cocoon. You know what I came out as? I came out as a butterfly because God does great things. I looked at him. I was like, hey, hey, hey. He said, you know what I'm doing right now? I said, what? He goes, I'm sitting here watching God move. I was like, man, that is such a great perspective. He said, well, look at you. And I said, yes, sir. Because that's what you say to a 75-year-old man who's preaching. I said, yes, sir. He said, God brought you to me, didn't he? And now we're together and our faith is together. And we're going to work through this together, aren't we? I love that kind of faith. It says in the midst of pain, in the midst of trials, in the midst of circumstances, in the midst of situations. It's not about where I am. It's about whose I am. I got to tell you, I almost did a little praise break right there. Did my little shout. He said, I'm, I'm, I said, where are y'all going to stay tonight? He said, I'm going to stay right here. His wife, she hadn't said anything. She said, I ain't staying in there. <laughs> Listen, true security is only found in God. It's not found in your stuff, in your relationships, in your situations, in your finances. It's only found in God. Prayer works. When you've got nothing else, you've got prayer. The disciples understood this. They spent a lot of time with Jesus. They could have asked him any question. They could have asked him to teach them. Lord, teach us how to raise the dead. Why? Because that would be awesome. Just walk through graveyards like, hello, come here. Like, awesome. Teach us how to restore sight to the blind. Teach us how to open the deaf ears. Teach us, God, how to walk on water. Why? Because it would be awesome at a party. That would be the one that I would ask. Like, Lord, teach me how to walk on water. (laughs) Like you're at a party and someone's like, hey, man, can you get me a Coke? You're like, sure, just walk across the pool. I mean, that would be awesome. That's probably why I'm not a disciple, but whatever. But they didn't ask that. They said this in Luke chapter 11. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. Listen, if Jesus prayed, he's our example. Don't you think you ought to pray? I can tell you a significant portion of the things that you need are waiting on you to pray. God's ready to do something in your life. So they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They understood the source of his power was the power of his prayer. Prayer is a pipeline to God. Here's what I want you to know. If you're taking notes, write this down. There is power in a single prayer. The challenge with some of us is we think that we have to pray a flowery King James Version prayer. Very eloquent heavenly father. Father God, God of the universe, he who flung the stars into the span of the heavens, I come to thee upon my knee. I wanted to rhyme some more, but I better stop. No, sometimes God just responds to, "Ah, help me, Jesus. There's power in a single prayer. Can I tell you this? I'm standing here as a result of prayers. I hadn't always been a pastor. That's true. 
I hadn't always been a man of the Lord. I've had moments. I hope this doesn't uh, mess up your perception of me. But whenever I was early 20s, late teens, early 20s, I started a business. And I started hanging around some of the wrong people. Parents, how many of y'all tell your kids, don't hang around the wrong people? You get messed up. Well, guess what, parents? It goes for you too. Adults, don't hang around the wrong people. I became an adult. I was hanging around the wrong people. And I ended up having a business, doing well, waking up early, working hard, and smoking pot in the evening. And some of y'all just lost my reputation. <laughs> Others of y'all just beat, built some street cred. And that's fine. Some of y'all are like, oh, man, okay, Pastor, okay. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> Love our church. If you're new here, I'm the real pastor. I'm not, I'm not proud of it. I'm embarrassed by it. But it is what it is. I just, I was hanging around the wrong people. Just around the wrong people and found myself sitting in my recliner. I don't know how long I was there. <laughs> Watching the TV with the sound off. I mean, I don't know. I don't. Had a buddy sitting next to me and we were there. I don't know how long. I really don't know how long we were there. But I remember it was, it was like a Friday night and my phone rang. And I remember thinking, I need to get that phone. <laughs> but I better not get that phone. Yeah, I mean, it was weird. So I didn't answer the phone. And it was back when we had, it was back when we had the old answer machines. You remember the ones with the tape? That you could hear it out loud. You could screen your calls that way. And I remember, I remember my voice coming on saying, please leave a message. We'll call, back, call you back. And I remember, I, I, I recognized the voice right, right when he started. He said, Jeremy, it was my dad. And he said, I want you to know the Lord woke me up. It's about 11, 30, 12 at night. He said, the Lord woke me up and told me you're in trouble. He told me you're into something you don't need to be into. And he said, I just, I just want you to know you're grown and I can't stop you. And you don't even have to tell me. He said, but here's what I want you to know. That every night about this time, I'm going to lose an hour of sleep for you. And I'm going to be up. I'm downstairs right now. Your mama's upstairs and she's asleep. But I want you to know that every night about this time, I'm going to be pacing in the living room. And I just want you to know that I'm going to be praying for you. And I'm going to be praying you through this until you call me and you tell me you've been delivered. You just need to know that your dad's praying for you. Talk about a buzzkill. Like, how are you going to sit there and rock in your chair now, moron? Your dad is praying, and he prayed, and every night he would call me, and every night he would call me, and finally I called him and said, Dad, I need some help. Pray me through this, and I'm standing here right now as a 42-year-old man. I'm standing on somebody else's prayers who prayed me through to get me to where I am. I wonder who's waiting on your prayers. If you're a dad, if you're a mom, if you're a husband, you're a wife, maybe you're a son, there's some, a daughter, there's somebody in your life that needs you to pray them through where they are. Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is your connection to God. Clap your hands to the Lord. I know I'm fired up. So if we know there's power in prayer, why don't we pray powerful prayers? 
David prayed declarative prayers. He reared back and threw down some strong prayers. I love reading the Psalms because can I tell you this? The Psalms, the Psalms chronicle emotions. Oftentimes David's lamenting. Why am I going through this? Why am I dealing with this pain? But he ended most of his Psalms giving glory to God, trusting in the Lord. I love Psalms chapter 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. There's power in that prayer. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they come. Listen, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. That's powerful declarative prayers. Why are you so fired up? Because when you're fired up, the enemy's scared. When you're praying timid prayers, the enemy's not very worried about you. When you're praying declarative prayers and saying, God, you promised that you were going to come through and I'm going to pray through until I break through and I'm going to believe that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to the power that's at work within me. Something powerful when we pray. So if you want your prayer to work, here's the reason most of us don't pray powerful prayers is because we're like, hey, but I know me. Well, like I know me. There's this uh, disassociative thing that we deal with. In fact, uh, psychologists talk about it a lot. When you receive or achieve a certain amount of success, people give you accolades. They're like, ah, wow, you're amazing. You're doing a great job. But what do you think? If you're successful in here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You say thank you, but on the inside you go, not really. Like if you knew me. If you knew the mistakes I've made and you knew, I'm not even talking about Christianity, I'm talking about just in business. Oftentimes, you, people who have high success get high accolades, but on the inside, they deal with self-hatred. All of us deal with that. Such a good dad, but all you can think about is the time you screamed at your kids. What a great husband, and all you can think about is you and your wife ain't talking right now. And that's just me. I love you. <laughs> this is a trick of the enemy. He tries to get you to be so down on yourself that you won't trust God could answer your prayers because you've been imperfect. Hey, that's what this whole thing grace is for because you can never be good enough. God was already good enough. You just have to rely on him to help you get through and start praying. Listen, here's what I want you to know. If if you're taking notes, write this down. God is for you. God is for you. We sing this song every now and then. God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness. I love that song. Because times when I'm feeling down, I'll start singing it. You've got to know it rattles the enemy. Because he's like, no, I know, I know where you are right now. And you shouldn't feel that way. Yeah, but it doesn't matter where I am. It matters whose I am. And he's on the inside of me. And he's giving me strength to get through whatever I'm going through. God is for you. If you don't believe that, you'll pray timid prayers. If you believe that, you'll pray audacious and bold prayers. Either way, God will answer you at the level of your prayers. So what would happen if you started praying bold prayers? Who you become is determined by how you pray. Listen, the the transcript of your prayers becomes a script of your life. How many of us are going through a, listen, every campus, just an open test. How many of you are going through something hard right now? Boom, put your hand up. Okay, that's the majority of people. Here's what I would tell you. I'm not saying that God will deliver you out of everything, but he will be with you in the midst of everything. But you've got to invite him. And you've got to pray declarative, powerful prayers. I am standing here as a result of powerful prayers. 
Many of you know our story. If you don't know our story, my wife and I love her dearly, sitting right down here on the front row. We've been married for 19 years. God has blessed us with all these kids. We're blessed. We love life. We love each other, but it wasn't always this way. The first five years of our marriage were horrible, terrible. The first two years, we had two kids, and it was just, we, we, couldn't, not, we couldn't not fight. She had been abused and brought abuse into our marriage, and I'd never dealt with that before, so I handled it all wrong. I completely rejected her, really was Christ-like in that moment, had an opportunity to show grace, decided not to, decided, I'm going to give her the silent treatment, that works. Tried to, get, tried to get her to catch up while I was going 100 miles an hour. It was just brutal. It was terrible. We separated for 27 months. It was horrible. But during that time, she got a hold of something that I didn't even have a hold of. And I was in ministry at that point. I was a bivocational minister. I had a business and I, I was serving in the church and trying to reach people and didn't know how to speak in faith. She got a hold of something. She started speaking in faith and praying in faith and praying, God, you're going to restore my marriage. We're not going to go down like this. God, you're going to keep us together. God, we're going to grow old together. She starts praying that stuff. And I'm like, well, uh, I'm still here. Uh. <laughs> like people start running into her. Like, hey, how's it going? It's going great. God's doing amazing things. We just had a fight on the phone. God's doing amazing things. How's your marriage? Oh, it's amazing. We're going to have a great marriage. You can't imagine how good it is. It's just unbelievable how God's doing. And, and then people would come to me and say, how's it going? It's terrible. I'm struggling. How's this deep prayer? Oh, God, I can't do it. Please, God, just give me a proverb or a psalm or something. I feel like Job. And people are like, well, I just talked to your wife. And she's like motivated and fired up. Says you guys are doing amazing. I'm like, she's a liar. She's manipulative. Thank you. I don't know where I'd be without you. Give her a hand. I love my baby. Listen, I want you to realize the power of your prayer and what happens when you, when you pray in sync with God's desires. The challenge with a lot of us is we are praying our will, not God's will. I'm praying to bend God to my way and bend God to my will. Do you know why we had such revival in the early 1900s? I can tell you why. I, I've been studying this. I was just sitting with a theologian a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about this, and he began to share with me and just expound on how preachers used to preach in the turn of the century, in the 1900s. Here's what they would preach. They would preach, when you give your life to Christ, you're not a doctor anymore. You're not an attorney anymore. You're not a business owner anymore. You're not a plumber anymore or an architect anymore or a nurse anymore. You are a child of God. And whatever he says he wants you to be, that's what you are. Yeah. Two, three, six. Okay, now it's a thing. We have to clap our hands. Because I don't know about you. I'm a doctor. I spent 12 years in school. That's what I am. And it's become cool to have God as a supplement to my career. And I had God as a supplement to my relationships and God as a supplement to my life. And I'm a Christian because, you know, that side effect of blessings. Oh, I'm preaching up in here. And I began to talk to this man. He began to weep. 
And he said, at some point, we have to yield our lives and say, God, when I give you my life, I actually give you my life. And whatever you want me to do, if I'm doing something today that you don't want me doing and you want me to do something different tomorrow, that's what I'll do. And in the early 1900s, we began to send missionaries all over the world and we begin to evangelize the world. Why? Because we weren't looking at us and our will. We were saying, God, your will. What would happen if our church began to pray? And I'm not saying go quit your job. Don't Please don't go tell your boss, pastor said to quit my job. I'm not working for you anymore. I'm working for the Lord. Okay. <laughs> So you got to be smart here, okay? But what I'm saying is in your prayer time, you got to yield it to God and not just ask God to yield to you. You know, I have people in my world and people in my life who tell me what they really think and, and what I need to really hear. And I told you, I've, I've been being coached by Dr. John Maxwell. It's just amazing to spend personal time with him. And he prayed over me a couple of weeks ago, laid hands on me, prayed for me, prayed that God would do amazing things in my life. And I began to talk to him about his prayer life. And I said, tell me, you know, he's 72. I said, how's your prayer life evolved over all of these years? He said, well, over all these years, he said, I realized that I had been really good at list prayer. Walking in with a list. And he said, the older I get, the more I'm into listening prayer. Instead of walking in with a list saying, God, I yield my life to you. You tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do that. You tell me where you want me to go. You tell me how you want me to live. You tell me what you want me. What would happen if we started saying, not my will, your will be done. There's power when we pray that way. Perfect example of not my will, not my plan, Joshua chapter 6. Now let me give you a little backstory. The children of Israel have been wandering in the desert for 40 years. Why? Because they were into lists and not listening. They were into God, we need you to do this, we need you to do this, we need you to do this. And when God said, that's not the way I want to do it, they said, cool, 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 we don't want to do it. And God said, cool, okay, cool. Y'all can walk in the desert for 40 years until you die and another generation arises and I'll let them see if they want to do what I want to do. Because I don't want y'all to die in the desert. I want you to walk into the promised land. But if you choose to die in the desert, I'm not going to stop you. I'm going to provide for you. Some of us are living under provision and never walking into promise because we keep giving God a list and not listening. 